0: Talk to your local agent today.
1: This is Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me. And today we've got another twofer for you. That means two interviews for the price of none, which is 0 cents. First up, we're talking to Jennifer Witz. She is the CEO of SiriusXM. It's a real live streaming service that turns a profit, reaches 34 million people, and for various reasons gets next to no attention from media people like me. So we're going to fix that now. And then, because it's my podcast, and one of the benefits of doing my podcast is I can have on people I like, it's the return of Rob Harvilla, who makes the totally awesome 60 Songs That Define the 90s, which is a Ringer-produced podcast you can hear on Spotify for free. It's also a book. I'm going to go buy it right now. You should, too. Rob is great. He is a voice I have in my head when I'm trying to write narrative podcasts, like the Land of the Giants season we just finished. You should also listen to that. Anyway... I like Rob. I try to avoid doing the uh, the Chris Farley sketch when I talk to Rob. <laughs> I don't think I did that here, but anyway, it's enough about me. I like Rob. I hope you like him too. Now here's me and Jennifer Witz. I'm talking to Jennifer Witz. She is the CEO of Sirius XM. Welcome, Jennifer.
2: Thank you, Peter. Nice to be here.
1: Thanks for chatting. With me. I saw you on stage last week. You did a very big tech and media presentation rolling out the new version of Sirius. I'm guessing that some of our listeners are really familiar with Sirius. Maybe some of them who live in New York, like me probably haven't touched Sirius in some time. Oh, you can, no. you can, you can, you can disabuse us of that. Um, but I want to just go over some, some real basics. Cause I, I used to cover Sirius back in the Howard Stern coming to Sirius days. It was a long time ago. It was a big mm-hmm. story stock. It has faded out of my view in terms of the thing people talk about. That's something you want to change, but I want to just go over some basics. There's, 34 million subscribers to Sirius. It is a very popular, well distributed service. Many people would like to have 34 million paid subscribers. You're, you're going to do about $9 billion this year.
2: That's right, revenue. You are,
1: yep. you are profitable. You are a profitable digital media company.
2: We are. We'll do about $2.75 billion in EBITDA this year.
1: That's pretty amazing. And you have been there for 20 plus years.
2: I have, yes. It's been a long time. But the company has evolved in so many ways. It's uh, still a very exciting place to be.
1: Good. That's my intro. And here's my major question. I totally understand the serious value proposition 20 years ago. Now in an age of on-demand podcasts, free Spotify, paid Spotify, lots of places to get my music and my talk, easy enough to do it in my car if it's not built in, Who is a serious subscriber right now? And who is a serious subscriber going to be sort of as you transition, pivot, expand?
2: Well, look, we're leaning into all of the strengths and differentiators we have built all these years. So we are live, 24-7, premium, human-curated radio at the heart of it. And that means we have everything from hosted music channels, uh, where the hosts are some of the biggest fans for the music they play Mm -hmm. and they do interviews and have performances and uh, we also have a tremendous amount of other content live news and sports comedy and other things so i think it's the combination of the human curation on the individual channels but also just the package of content that we bring together all in one place that's really special and differentiated versus other music streaming services and what it's going to take going forward, because we have this great position in the car, and we will continue to build upon that. But we need to make sure that we're relevant outside the car with a product that really stands on its own and gets people into the content they love in a much easier way.
1: Right. So you, you were talking about you were talking about what's in Sirius and how it's delivered. I want to go back to the car in a second. But, but who is a Sirius subscriber today? Can you give me sort of the, the demography of, of who your audience yeah. is right now?
2: Yeah, so we talk a lot about core segments and so our core segment today where you know, we have the highest penetration, it's about a, a quarter of the adult population in the U.S. We are generally appealing to a slightly older customer, affluent, college educated, generally has a car because most of the listening is done in the car today. Um, and just appreciates the breadth of content we have, the sort of coast-to-coast, uninterrupted, the ease of use in the car, and, again, that sort of human curation. Uh, that's generally who our subscriber is today.
1: It's a, so it's an older person who owns a car? Yes. And, and I think – I, I want to make sure I get the stat right, but I think you guys said 80% of new cars sold today in the U.S. come with Sirius, sort of not as an option but integrated into it. It's, it's, it you drive off the lot, you have Sirius?
2: Yes. You generally get a trial of about three months in your new car. Uh, could be longer, but yes, we're in just over 80% of new cars sold.
1: So on the one hand, that's an amazing sales funnel. On the other hand, you want to reach people who haven't bought a new car recently. My car is 12 years old and you want to reach them when they're not in the car as well. And so that's what you guys were sort of teeing up last week.
2: Yeah. I mean, we also have a used car funnel. We're in just over 50% of used cars that uh, are sold. And so this is building out the set of products that we need to have, not only to attract consumers who may not have a car or may not want the service that's built into the car um, and may just want to use it on an app or on the web player, uh, but also, everything we're doing supports the core subscriber base as well, because generally our subscribers who are in the car, many of them listen outside of the car as well. Um, and so it was really designed as a companion product all these years ago. And now we're building something that can really stand on its own.
1: Right. So the idea was you leave the car, you still want to listen to Howard Stern or or uh, Conan O'Brien, etc. cetera. We've got an app that's going to go with you, and you guys now have basically a better app. Yes. But you also want to reach people who are not car owners, et cetera. So how do you convince someone who's not car-centric, and maybe this is only a New York question, uh, but who's not car-centric, who knows what Spotify is, who knows what other services are, why why would they pay for Sirius as opposed to getting something for free or paying for Spotify or another paid service?
2: We think the bundle of content that we have. Uh, you mentioned Howard and Conan, but also all of uh, play-by-play sports for the biggest leagues all in one place. You know, We have six or seven comedy channels, all of the music channels we have across every genre, especially uh, our artist-generated channels. And just the breadth of the content we have is going to be really appealing to a broader set of audiences. The challenge we've had in the past is that Again, everyone associated us with the car for so long that generally people know they get a new car, there's going to be a trial, they try it out, they listen, um, but they may not subscribe because it's very hard to find the content that's for them. Oftentimes, you know, when we go do our own The interface survey, is very clunky. It's clunky, yeah. You have to turn the dial. And, and most, to meet the consumer's needs today, you expect when you go into a media product or service that you know, it's going to provide you with recommendations. And we just haven't been able to do that in the car where we're satellite only. We're building out 360L, which we can talk about more. It's a combination of satellite and IP delivery into the car. But obviously in the app, we can lead in a much different way with better discovery, better personalization. So we'll have a lot of those features and capabilities when the new apps come out on December 14th.
1: So is this more about reducing churn for those for those customers who find you in the car and you want to keep them, or is it about finding new people who aren't coming to you from the car who who have, are coming to you the first time on their own?
2: So it, it's a good question. I think the churn, sort of broadly speaking, just retention, I guess. Uh, Yes. So I think we don't have a challenge getting people into the funnel. And that's either the car, because most people, again, they know that there's going to be a trial there and they do listen, but also outside of the car with just how we use performance media to bring consumers into the streaming trial funnel as well. We have uh, very strong volumes. It's about retaining them over time by providing them with easier access to content that they'll love and again that goes back to better data-driven personalization uh, that we're really building from the ground up to surface the content and all of the ways that the content sort of reinforces itself so Today, Howard did an interview with Dolly Parton. We're launching a channel with Dolly Parton. So, you know, there's a way to surface the content. You might be a fan of Dolly Parton, but never would have thought to listen to Howard. And now you'll be able to see that interview come up alongside the channel as well. So there's just uh, such a breadth of content that we have that's really very special and exclusive to us that people can't find today.
1: We've got all this stuff. If we can show it to you on your phone, in your car, on a dashboard, in a way that you can access it without crashing the car, you're more likely to pay us and stick around. Yes. And yes. by the way, you got Howard Stern to show up at your event. He doesn't show up for his own interviews, right? He does those remotely?
2: He does a mix, actually, now. But uh, yes, we were thrilled to have him there in person.
1: That's a big deal to get him. So, But most of the time, is it most of the time that he's he's remote? It looks look like, it looks like he's it looks like he's in person but he's not, right? I
2: um, specifically, but he's doing a mix. He, he's coming in and and talking to people in person uh, when he can and when that makes sense.
1: If you rank highly enough, Howard will come in for you. So he came in for you. So that's a big deal.
2: Um <laughs> You said that not me.
1: Okay. you also had Conan O'Brien there. Um and, and he was very funny. I listen to Conan O'Brien for free on Apple and Spotify podcasts. How do you handle sort of what goes into a paid service? What's widely distributed? How do you guys think about that mix?
2: Yeah, so we've uh, we've been in the podcasting business now for a few years, and we believe that broad distribution of podcasts makes a lot of sense. So we actually do uh, provide ad representation, and we own the uh, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend podcast and. Uh, we do push it out to all platforms and we have actually a channel on SiriusXM which is exclusive. It has some exclusive content from Conan and he's continuing to revamp that. And it's a more linear format, so it works well in the car. And so that's kind of the pairing of that. How can we work with talent to make sure that there's something special for Series X7 subscribers and it works in a linear format, it doesn't have to be, it can also be on demand, but uh, brings something very unique to the service behind the paywall. But that we also appeal to generally what talent wants and what helps with overall monetization by broadly distributing the podcast across all podcast listening platforms.
1: We just went through a cycle where Spotify and then you guys and iHeart were paying a lot of money to brand name talent to come create podcasts essentially for you guys. Spotify has now said we kind of overdid it. we're We're cutting a lot of those deals. Um, we're going to keep some. But in most cases, we don't we didn't we didn't need to pay what we paid to reach that. Are you guys rethinking sort of how you're acquiring talent, what you're paying for talent?
2: Most of the deals that we've done over the last few years are about uh, ad representation deals with existing podcast creators. So we haven't done a lot. we've We've done some new creation and new development of podcasts with talent. Uh, we have a, a new show coming out with James Corden that's going to launch early right. next year, for instance. That's going to be exclusive to SiriusXM. But a lot of the bigger deals we've done are broadly distributed podcasts. And again, you're that's,
1: making you're making a podcast. We're going to sell it for you.
2: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Sell it. Distribute it. Um, you know, help with other content ideas. Build out the network. And then, uh, as we talked about. Bring something unique to Sirius XM as well, which helps these content creators and many times reach different audiences uh, where consumers may not in our subscriber base may not have been listening to podcasts. And it's an easier route to reach them in the car.
1: You mentioned satellites. I did want to ask you about that. Satellite radios in the name. Um, again, when I was initially covering you guys, you had to use satellite to get this stuff to cars. Um, the internet existed, but it was pretty rudimentary. You certainly couldn't rely on streaming to your phone. Um, now you can. Now I listen to Spotify in my car all the time. Um, you guys are still spending hundreds of millions of dollars on, on satellites. What, why do you need to have satellites in 2023? And is there ever going to be a time when you no longer have to rely on satellites to distribute this stuff?
2: I suspect someday we won't need satellites, but we are going through a build cycle right now of four new satellites that Again, You're will,
1: literally putting satellites into space. We at the cost are. cost of hundreds of yes. millions of dollars.
2: Yes, hundreds of millions of dollars. And uh, the last of the four will launch in 2027. And at that point we have fairly long runway uh, before deciding if we need to replace those again Uh, so several years at least and really today we're actually putting satellites up that cover the full set of spectrum so sirius and xm when they were separate companies had two separate spectrum and we're still delivering content over the full breadth of spectrum and over time we can decide if we want to pull back and just distribute over one because we basically are duplicating the content distributed over both sets of spectrum and we could pull back and just distribute over one and then repurpose that for more audio content or different types of content, maybe adjacent.
1: But dumb it dumb it down for me. Why do you need a satellite at all in an era where I can drive through the Holland tunnel and have make phone calls and listen to whatever I want on my phone.
2: So I, I think at the core of your question is availability, and we have very high availability across the country. And so there are parts you know, of the
1: country where my phone isn't going to reach, but your satellite will.
2: I think, yeah, there are two things. There are rural parts of the country where you won't have that same level of um, wireless Uh, connectivity. And then there's also just the congestion in urban markets where you'll get a lot more dropouts because when you're listening to whatever media service, hopefully SiriusXM and Pandora too, uh, and it drops out, it's because there's a lot of voice traffic and data traffic that's getting priority on the network. And so you'll get more dropouts. So for us, it's the combination of the best consumer experience in the car is 360L because you have that ever-present satellite network for broadcast distribution, which is incredibly cost-effective. Yes, we have to spend hundreds of millions of dollars to get the satellites. But then there's really no incremental variable cost to distribute the bits. Um, And then combined with streaming, which over time will get more cost effective as well in the car. Most cars today are coming with modems. So we package the satellite delivery with a streaming delivery to be able to provide, because that's two-way, obviously, the personalized recommendations and more content than we could just put through the satellite pipe.
1: And and as the consumer, I don't need to worry about whether I'm getting it from a cell package or a satellite package. No, in general. You deliver it.
2: Right. And we're, we're leveraging the modem in the car so you actually don't have to use the data package on your phone. Uh, it's already, you know, using the, the modem that's available.
1: We just went through an era where, where cars were very, very expensive to buy, very hard to buy for a while. I'm assuming that gets reflected in your, in your performance as well?
2: Yeah, so the the overall, the automotive funnel is a big factor for us in being able to get more consumers in trials and ultimately convert them into paying subscribers. And so the just the general price of a vehicle and uh, level of auto sales definitely plays a factor in our, our growth. And auto sales have been, mostly because of supply chain constraints, and that's what's driving up the prices, uh, have been... Lower than you know the peak sales of 16, 17 million for a few years now, and we're starting to see you know clearly the supply chain interruptions go away, and now it's about overall consumer demand. Prices are very high. I think the automakers are very happy with that, but over time I suspect there'll be more and more competition, and and that will start to level out.
1: So I'm interviewing on Wednesday, November 15th. People will hear this on the 16th. You guys did your big presentation a week ago, and there was a lot of this thing is going to roll out in December, and then. Th- through the following year, when will people sort of get the full depth and breadth of of the new series? When can they say, oh, this is everything they have to offer me?
2: So it starts on December 14th, like you said, with new apps and the web player, and that'll be the first peek at all the personalization and the breadth of the features that we're launching. But the great thing about this is the tech platform, puts us in a completely different position where we can be iterating and releasing uh, new capabilities every month, every quarter. So it's not that, you know, it's all done at this date. It's going to be a rolling process where we'll continue to improve the streaming experience. And then what what does take longer is the in-car experience because we're subject to the auto manufacturer product cycles. Mm -hmm. Now we are working with several oems on Aaos, which is the android automotive operating system and allows us to uh, have more capabilities to launch across multiple vehicles at the same time with updates so that will actually increase the pace of our ability to improve the interface in the car over time but that's also going to roll out slowly so our in-car product will improve as we roll out 360l we're at about 35 percent of new car sales with 360l today and that will get more and more fully featured as we continue to roll that out and there are some things of course that we can do behind the scenes like improved search and recommendations without having to do updates in the car as well
1: so if i buy a new car tomorrow it may not have all your new features but buy it in a year it'll have everything or something like that.
2: it'll have more. It takes uh-huh. a while to get three sixty l rolled through. Uh, you know, it's going to take several years for us to get up to the full set of overall new car trial starts. And of course, used cars um, won't have it at quite the same pace. but uh, so that's why you know using the the mobile app will serve as a great complement to the in-car service as well because you can move back and forth very seamlessly.
1: Jennifer, Witts, awesome to talk to you. Um one day, we'll do it in person. Thanks for coming on.
2: I look forward to that, thanks, Peter.
1: Thanks again to Jennifer. In a minute, we're going to hear from Rob Harvilla, but first, a word from a sponsor.
0: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline, because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: Rob Harvilla, you make 60 songs that define the 90s. It is one of my favorite all-time podcasts. I talked to you back in April 2021. You're back again. Thanks for coming back. I remember that. Thank you for having me. It's a thrill to be back. Um, back then, you had done about 20-some songs. You write audio essays oh about God. important yeah. songs and bands. I love them. You can go listen to them. They're on Spotify. You'd done about 22, 21. The plan was that you were going to finish by the end of 2021. Uh-huh. It's 2023. <laughs> it's almost 2024. You, yeah. Correct. Yeah. You have not finished. What's going on?
3: <laughs> Everything Okay. Well, dude, there's just too many songs. That's the that's the realization that we came to. We got to around forty. And I, I just had this huge anxiety. I'm looking at this Google Doc that I've constructed. And it's like, all right, we got twenty, we got twenty slots left, and I'm like, look at all these. And there's like a hundred songs on the list. And it's like, well, I have to do that and that and that and that. And suddenly you're, you're tail spinning, right? And so, I go back hat in hand to my ringer, you know, overlords, and they're like, all right, fine. And so they let me do, what was it? Are we going up in 30s? Yes. They let me do 30 more. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we'll do 90. That makes sense. 90 songs. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's harmonious. And then I get to like 80. And the same thing happens. You know, the Google Doc of songs that I can't do anymore has only gotten longer somehow. And it's like, then I got to go back again. It's like, can I do 30 more? And they're like, oh, my God. And so now it's, it's I'm going to stop. I should say this clearly. I'm like, oh, you're looking. It's it's right that you're skeptical. And I'm like 95% sure. Is like I'm. We're stopping. We are going to stop at 120. You know, it, it, it's it's it was funny to me for a while to do a show with an inaccurate name. But like, we gotta stop. We're gonna stop at 120. We're gonna be done by like February, I think. Now, It's you've got two different action movie cliches. We both grew up around the same time. So the mm-hmm. one is the the
1: guy going back for one last job. One last job because he's yeah. got he doesn't want to do it. He's walked away, but they they bring him back because someone's a hostage or whatever. And the other is the movie studio keeps putting out episode four, five, six, seven of the franchise because people keep coming back for it. Yes. So this is is all you? This is not the ringer (laughs) saying
3: make more popular content, please? This is, this is me. This is me. I think at this point they would like, why don't you try to do something else just to see what happens? I'm like, but you know, the mighty, mighty boss, you know what I mean? Like it's, that's the dynamic we're dealing with here. It is me. It is me at this point. Just, I, I thought what I started and certainly when I, even when I spoke to you around the twenties, that like by 60, I'll be tired of this, you know, like I'll have exhausted, you know, the nineties, you know, I'll have exhausted my teenage years, whatever. And for whatever reason, from my perspective, at least I hadn't. Like I I still felt this enthusiasm. You know, I still, I just felt like, going on you know and i did and they were very nice to let me but i i do think that you know a project like this needs like a logical end point and i think that we have finally arrived at it
1: i you know because i'm a nerd i i and and a and a big fan i i guess you were reaching the end of the 50s i'm like he hasn't done nirvana yet what's gonna happen <laughs> um so if, assuming you do stop at 120 mm-hmm. there's gonna be stuff that you wish you could get to, but you're going to leave on the table, right? Have you already That's decided, correct. sorry, buddy, you don't make the cut. Is there going to be like a, an addendum at some point maybe where you do a TikTok version of these in five second increments?
3: You know what I've thought about doing? And I think we are actually going to do it. We're going to do an everyone yells at Rob episode, which consists just of interviews, like people come on like maybe five minutes apiece, and they just hopefully not actually, yet, but but they just tell me politely the song that I should have done. Right. And I just I just run through and that can last for six hours probably. But but yeah, I I I have a schedule that has ten songs on it. The final ten songs. But I one thing I prize about the show is a certain arbitrary fluidity. You know, if I wake up one day and I want to do this, I can do that. You know, and that's much harder to do in this instance. But there are, you know, the ones that are on for now and the ones that are off for now. But there is still the possibility that if someone like tweets me the right thing in the exact right moment, you know, where I'm there to receive it emotionally, that that, like somebody could actually change my mind and suddenly I am doing, you know, how bizarre or something.
1: (laughs) So take this with the spirit in which it's intended. You've spent three-ish years, a little less than three years, mining nostalgia, mining the 90s. Right. right. You do an awesome job of it. Um, What does it do to you psychically to spend all that time looking backwards and thinking about the 90s and where you were and how things are changed? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it?
3: I don't think it's bad necessarily, but it's very strange. You know, the show started in October 2020, you know, and so I I try not to mention COVID, but I don't think it's avoidable. You know, that like the COVID mentality being in lockdown, my wife was pregnant. You know, we had our daughter on Halloween of that year, you know, there was a lot going on to put it mildly. And there was a huge appeal to me in that moment, you know, to regress back to my childhood. Right. You know, and then it, I find that, you know, there's an audience for it. Comfort food is exactly what it was and it continues to be you know I as one of the oldest if not the oldest staff writers at the ringer like when I was hired it was made clear to me my job was going to be like to write when somebody in the Eagles dies I'm going to write the obituary for that person like you my value you do a great job of the old guy obit or I guess well the obit. thank you I think several one at least one member of the Eagles has died and I didn't actually end up writing about him and I feel bad about that but like my value proposition to the ringer is that I was alive in the 80s. Right. And so I can speak with some measure of authority. Having been nine, you know, no, at the time I can I can talk about stuff that happened in the 80s as though I was there because I kind of was. And so, yes, it is weird to be mired in nostalgia all the time, just from like as as an obsessive music listener, it is it's been a very strange experience to be primarily listening to 90s music. You know, I'm listening to my old mixtapes that I compiled myself, you know, when I was in high school, like it's it's weird. It is certainly weird and it certainly, you know, exacerbates, you know, the lockdown feeling and even the post lockdown feeling and just the fact of working from home in suburban Ohio and mostly talking to people over the Internet. You know, it all connects. It's all pretty bizarre. But I do think, you know, I, I am still living in the presence at least part of the time for now. I have not fully regressed back to 1995, but there is that danger I saw you tweet something to the effect of like, oh, when you don't have to
1: stay up all night and review the new Drake album, it's actually kind of fun to listen to the new Drake album. Are you itching
3: to sort of move full time or take on more current things? I don't know if I'm itching to do it. And yeah, the experience of hitting play on Taylor Swift's Midnight's, you know, at 12.01 a.m. The night it drops, you know, and like they have to write 50, you know, just the rock critic thing. Like that's a tough way to listen to music, you know, when you when you have to sort of binge it immediately and form like a coherent opinion about it immediately. I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that makes you like the record in the long run, right? When I listen to that record, again, what I think about is when I had to listen to it 12 times, you know, in three hours. Um, I don't want to ever completely lose my tether to the present day, to reality, to writing for The Ringer because I love it, you know, but I do, I have really come around to this format, you know. I, I love writing these essays that can be a little personal, but not too personal. I, I I'm I've I've I feel like I'm getting comfortable with the podcasting element, you know, like what I you're write. Getting now. your reps in, you're great. That's right. It's yeah, I'm just doing my ten thousand hours or whatever, but like it's affected the way I write. You know, I write everything as though I have to read it out loud. And as you may know, like I, that's really helpful. You know, like my sentences used to be crazy convoluted, too many adverbs, too many parentheses. You know, and I feel like I've simplified because I have to talk. I have to speak it out loud in a way that's helped my writing. And I don't want to lose that aspect either. Yeah, that is the most. It's one of the most essential
1: writing tips you'll ever get is read, read what you it wrote out, out loud, out loud mm-hmm. and you immediately see the problem with, yes. with that crazy sentence you wrote. And it doesn't look nearly as <laughs> clever. doesn't sound as clever when you have to say it. And, and it's great. I'm, I'm doing some of the same stuff myself. And then I forget and I'll read out loud some convoluted, terrible sentence. I'm looking at my producer, Megan, who's giving me a thumbs up. Yep, you do write yes. some terrible shit is what she's saying. Um, um you did a episode where you, you you did the Nirvana episode. You did Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yes. And you had Courtney Love on as a guest. hmm And I can't tell you I listened to all of that interview because it's it's, 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 it's a it's a it's wild a lot. thing. Have you Thanks. gotten other feedback from, from other artists you are writing and podcasting about? I'm
3: trying to think of someone
1: who calls who you I... up and says, I
3: like this or I hated this, you idiot. Somebody emailed me. I did the cardigans very re- I did a love fool. That may actually be the current episode still. And right at the ends. I talked a little bit about that band Shudder to Think. They were from DC. They were like a DC like art punk band, okay. associated with Discord. And w- the the guitar player in Shudder to Think is married to Nina Person from the Cardigans. And I was like, that's my favorite alt rock couple or whatever. And I got like a two like a two sentence email from somebody being like, I shared that with the Shutter to Think guys. They thought it was awesome. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true, but that's very cool. But generally speaking, I have not really heard. From the people as much, Courtney. I did a whole episode, you know, right, and all parts, and that's when she first reached out to me. And I want to say honestly, that was the first time that you know a subject of a, of an episode has reached out to me, and I, that's fine with me. I that it would make me extremely nervous to know. You know, that the cardigans are like gathered around the fire listening to my episode about Love Fool. You'd right? like, like to do something fine.
1: cooler and sexier and
3: more. B- more rockier. Swedish. Right. Yeah. More you know, Swedish. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, we, This is this
1: is timed. I, I've wanted to do this for a while. And we're talking specifically because you have a drumroll
3: book out. Tell us about the book. It is also called 60 songs that explain what? the 90s. Yes, it also has way more than 60 songs in it. So like every episode is a script, right? And it's it's so funny when we were talking at my 20th episode or so, like the scripts were probably like 4,000 words long. They are now like 8,000. You know, I have generated well over half a million words at this point. So the book is excerpts from those scripts sort of a greatest hits of those scripts. But I also wanted to group the songs, you know, in new ways and just get songs interacting with each other that don't ordinarily interact with each other. So I think about the idea of sellouts, right? There's a sellouts chapter. And of course that means, you know, Metallica with the Black Album, you know, chasing more of a radio-friendly sound. That means Green Day, of course, you know, signing to a major label and the backlash to that. But it also means like Coolio, suddenly becoming a huge hit in the suburbs on MTV. Now he's got this whole new audience, a lot of white kids in that audience who like don't have any idea where he comes from or what it's like there. And it, it just the... He sort of agonized over that, you know, and the Weird Al, the, the Amish Paradise sort of dust up that he had, I think, is a, is a, an extension of that. You know, he, now he can't control who his audience is, who he's listening, who's listening to him. People agonize that that's sort of a form of selling out, you know, to, to, when you're when you go from a rap star to a pop star. And so I just I I tried to find ways of getting these songs to interact with each other you know, as a music critic, sort of working through their connections. And also, it, I, I never want to get too personal, but I do think that nostalgia is inevitably a part of this. And just, you know, my memories of hearing these songs, watching other people fall in love with these songs and like try and sell me on them, you know, it's, it's, so it's a mixture of rock criticism, of memoir, you know, of sort of a pop up video, sort of frivolity, you know, but I, I, I really love how it came out and i'm really excited about it. i've wanted to write a book forever you know and it's surreal to me to be talking to you go buy the book i i, I, I there Please. was a <laughs> there was a nick hornby series of essays i don't know
1: it's called like 12 songs or something and he wrote an essay about each song and it came with a cd this is a long time ago so sure. i'm assuming you do not have a usb drive or a, a Unfortunately, link to a spotify I do not. okay that's fine it's words. I'm the sorry. It is They're words. Good. It's a lot of words. Go. There's
3: pictures as well. They're very, very beautiful pictures as well. If you just want
1: Rob Harvilla, to I'm sorry, notes. I'm not going to be DMing you anymore and saying, "Dude, I really liked that last episode. It was so good." But go, go listen to Rob's podcast.
3: Go buy Rob's book. I'll find another reason to talk to Rob in the future. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to do some kind of other show, you know. And as you say, I'm sort of curious if it will be nostalgia based or present day. That's one of the, obviously, the big decisions to make. But I, I'm going to find something else. I'm going to listen. Myself. All right. Thanks, Rob. Thanks so much, man.
1: Thanks again to Travis and Jelani and Jolie, who all helped produce this show that you get to listen. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.